Hello and welcome to this podcast. This talk was given on Sunday the 23rd of March at our first video conferencing virtual Sunday service, which seemed a great blessing to be able to see and contribute together and encourage one another in these difficult times. So, well, we're having to learn new ways of living, aren't we? We're so blessed that we're living in an internet age, or at least some of us have access to it. And it's enabling us to communicate, to keep up to date, to see people, and to do our best to reach out in a time of no physical contact. But although we're we're learning new ways of living, we do need to live according to the ancient principles that we always have done as the people of God which is to looking to God in faith at all times and trusting him for his provision knowing that my God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus he is the ancient of days he is our hiding place he is our rock he is our refuge so although this is a new situation and a very challenging situation I encourage us all to look to the same principles of faith, trusting in God. Each generation has to face its own challenges and find God in them. Today, there have been churches that have met every single Sunday for over well over a hundred years. That's been through two world wars, the Great Depressions, previous epidemics and they've met every single Sunday through every season until today whereas today with our reach of knowledge and communication and understanding and speed of transport we know the dangers we face from this virus and we're in a social lockdown situation but although we face these challenges I do think it's good to look for the things we should continuously praise God for. Firstly, and above everything else, we praise God for who he is. He is the creator of the heavens and earth. The world may well be groaning and is groaning because of the corruption that is in the world, because of the fall of man. But it's, it's groaning in hope because a day has been fixed when he will come and restore all things. But we praise God firstly for himself and his promises. God has said whatever situation exists in life, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And if you look at that list that Paul the Apostle wrote in Romans chapter 8, it's pretty encompassing. He's saying that there is nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And he lists death and life, angels and demons, things present and future, powers, height and depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. 
And before that, he said, Shall trouble separate us, shall hardship, shall persecution, shall famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. And his conclusion is that there's nothing that can separate us from God's love. And so we draw real strength and help from this, that we have the promise of his presence, never to leave us, never to forsake us. And we should really praise God that it's in these kind of times, times of testings that we really grow, that we really find God. The church flourishes in these times because they draw down from the Saviour. But there are other less obvious things that we should just reflect on and praise God for. Firstly, the fact that you're hearing my voice. We should thank God for the technology through sound and visual that we can know what's going on. We can communicate with each other. We should also praise God that this didn't happen maybe 12 years ago when we had the global financial, financial crunch. And that that time 12 years ago, the global finance people of the world took a lot of learning and, and praise God and we pray that they'll take that learning into this situation so that the world won't go into a massive financial depression. Sometimes what we learn in the past we should walk in today. But I can praise God, I think, that this is revealing the weakness and vulnerability of humanity. As we progressed and made so much advantages, advances in the 20th and 21st centuries, we've come a little bit independent as a human race. We've come a little bit arrogant, full of our own smartness, as you were. It's like we've built a Tower of Babel that's kind of says, we can reach to heaven, we can do, we can fix anything. And it's as though this is revealing our vulnerability. It's as though our Tower of Babel is being pulled down. And we praise God also that in times of national crises, often come before times of spiritual renewal. And we don't know how this is going to work out. And we need to be so prayerful and so compassionate. But we pray that it does. We pray that out of this, there'll be a hunger and a search for God. We pray for that renewal. Because Christianity as a, as a faith throughout its history has always thrived under test and pressure. It's because of the reality of the cost of being a Christian in difficult times. Putting our trust in God always causes us to grow. As the Jamie Owen song said years ago, it's the hard times that cause you to grow. And we look to see how we as God's people respond and pray and say, God, let your kingdom come. So although the speed of this global um, spread is, is unprecedented, and that's because of the great amount of travel and communication that we have those we had in the past, and the awareness of it is new with 24-hour news, there's nothing new in a sense about mass infections. People have been looking back into history and and, and talking about previous plagues. And I know people have been talking about the so-called Cyprian plague, named after the person that documented it, Cyprian, who was a, a church leader in North Africa. This plague lasted on and off for many years, from about the year 250 AD. 
And at its height, at its height, it may have killed tragically 5,000 people a day in the city of Rome. And no one was spared. Two Roman emperors died from it. It was a great equaliser, poor and rich. And Rodney Stark, um, in his book, The Rise of Christianity, commented how because the Christian faith delivered a view of life and life after death that was highly attractive in such an unstable time. And other religions, the pagan religions, offered no hope. They thought the gods were angry with them or, or distant. But the Christian faith viewed this as a time of schooling and testing, which, as you can see from the epistle of Peter, is how he rationalized the time of suffering for the church, that we were being proved, we were being tested like gold, and we're going to come forth to the glory of God. And because Christianity wasn't just theoretical, it offered an explanation of the fall of humanity and the fall of creation. But it offered comfort of the hope of God and the promise of eternal life. But it also did something else. It it prescribed action. So the Christian community at that time were transformed into what the writer says was a battalion of nurses. Heedless of danger, they took the sick in to their homes when they were rejected by others. They attended to their every need and they ministered to them in Christ. And of course that caused them huge loss of life as they were themselves affected by the disease. But it brought a great inflow of people into the church of God as they saw the reality of Christ in these people's lives. And I'm not suggesting for one moment that we should in any way be reckless. We should lead by example. We should keep our social distances. We should keep our isolations. And we pray that no one who is involved in care should in any way be affected. But those Christians were seriously being persecuted at the time. They didn't count their lives their own. And they saw these actions as a God-given response to those per persecutions. So they gave their lives freely. And it's just such an encouragement for us that we can play our part through generosity. Generosity of giving, generosity of deeds. So we're reminded of these three words, faith, hope and love. And that in their day was such an expression of love. And it's our prayer that we as the church, all of the church, church in Bristol, the church in this country, the church Europe and worldwide, all of us together will respond well at this time with prayer, with unselfish deeds of love over the long term. So I also pray that we would be people of hope. In Romans 5, it teaches us that, um, that hope doesn't disappoint us because God's love is poured out into our hearts. But it also teaches us that, um, that we have this hope because of the, the work of God in our lives. Let me just read this passage to you. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, and not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. So being a people of hope, hope that is worked out from character. Character is kind of hard to define, but it's it's the strength of being, of purpose, that is worked in us through walking through difficult situations with God, learning from him. It's the opposite of being fluffy and blown here and there by different viewpoints. Character is built into our lives through challenge, through difficulty and perseverance. And and perseverance is the courage, if you like, to keep on going when things are difficult, when you feel like giving up. Perseverance is bearable because we're rejoicing in God. And we rejoice in God because we've been brought near to God. We've been brought to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have peace with him. So we are a people of hope. This is where it starts and finishes. There's another sacrificial deed of love in a plague that I was reminded of recently that really moved me. In the Yorkshire Dales, there's a tiny village called Eam. And back in the time of the Great Plague in 1665, a local tailor ordered some cloth from London where the Great Plague had taken hold to devastating effect. And that cloth arrived in Eam. Everyone was ignorant and unaware of it was carrying the disease. Within a week, the tailor's assistant had died and then more around them began dying. And as the disease spread, the villagers turned to leadership from their vicar and a Puritan minister who lived in the village. And these two men introduced a number of precautions to slow the spread of the illness from May 1666. They relocated the church services to a natural, out of the church building into a natural amphitheatre, allowing villages to separate themselves and reduce the risk of infection. So they were practising social distancing. They were limiting the spread of the infection by keeping themselves apart, even though their level of knowledge at that time was very small compared to ours. But the most courageous thing that they're known for is that they took a decision together to quarantine the entire village to spread further disease spreading to the neighbouring towns and villages. Nobody left and nobody came in. You might think they were ahead of their time. They understood quarantine. But although there was a severe loss of life in the village, the villagers' courageous actions prevented the disease from spreading to catastrophic effect to the wider villages. It worked. And that just encourages us to take the practical steps that we're encouraged to take very seriously. And you might say there's nothing new under the sun, which is where I started this little podcast. And in fact, if you go back into Leviticus chapter 13, you can see there Moses, or God through Moses, instructing the people in quarantining and self-isolation for seven days when 
various diseases came into the camp. So we must play our part. We must do the practical as well as having hope and love. But the third of these things is faith, isn't it? And faith in God is our eternal hope. Hope in him and hope in his promises. And we have this hope which is a steadfast anchor to our soul. And it's a hope that's gone ahead of us into the presence of God with Jesus right within that very veil. And it gives us an understanding that whatever happens, we know that God is with us and he loves us. We pray that we are kept free. We pray that our friends are kept free. But we have, don't we, an eternal hope that's gone within the veil, that is beyond life and beyond death. And we trust in God. And this we have through faith in the one who loved us and gave us himself. And it says, therefore, therefore, we've been justified through faith. We have peace with God. And it's that peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ that determines the peace that we enjoy on a day by day. So it all starts and comes back to keeping our eyes on him, trusting in him, believing in his eternal word and walking close to him, knowing that nothing in all creation can separate us from his love. He has proved this at the cross. He is demonstrated by laying down his life for us and rising again and seated at the right hand of the fathers. And there he makes intercession for us, stands in our place, brings us before the Father, is our advocate. And so we stand today in a new situation, but we stand in the eternal God, in the eternal word, building ourselves up in our most holy faith, trusting in God. And we pray God will bless this word to us as we go on in him. Amen.